welcome to the Profiles in Persistence show. I'm Dusty Rollins, founder and owner of Oxford Business Services. We help entrepreneurs and business owners maximize their profit and minimize their taxes. We believe there should be limits to how much the IRS can punish your success. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on this great inspirational daily podcast. Let's go. All right, today we have Giannis Moti of hotelsbyday.com. If you want to get in contact with Mr. Giannis, you can get in contact with him at Giannis at hotelsbyday.com. How are you doing today, Mr. Giannis? Doing great. And uh, Mr. Giannis, uh, drop the mister. Giannis will do. Hey, I can deal with it. I can deal with it. So Giannis, tell me a little bit about yeah. yourself. Oh, okay. Um, so um, just as a, a little bit of background myself before we start with the professional background. And um, so I, I personally, I was born in Tunisia uh, a century and a half ago. Um, and at least that's how it feels with the speed of technology nowadays. And um, born in Tunisia from an Italian mother, a French father, uh, with different religious backgrounds as well. So a Jewish Catholic in a Muslim country. So a, a huge melting pot. Uh, and that was, my, that's, that was my background and my growing up for 13 years of my life. Um, so, um, so, so always, uh, I, you know, and, and it, I don't know if that would lead toward, towards like, you know, what led me to become an entrepreneur, that type of setting of growing up and, uh, and, uh, and, and having to deal with various different, the politics, the religion, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the mindsets that this, that, that, that really makes you, uh, um, you know, very versatile on your toes and always looking for, you know, some, some kind of a middle ground. And so that led to entrepreneurship. Uh, as at, at least as a mindset, and uh, personally, uh, so professionally rather, um, I was well. Just to skip into the major lines, I was a tour guide when I went to college, and uh, for summer, um, for you know, an extra job and summer uh, money, uh, I was tour guiding American tourists in Europe in the summers. Then I became a travel agent, sold the travel agency, and then ran a large tour operating company uh, that was based in Italy and that had an office in New York. And uh, that's how I settled in New York about 15 years ago before I quit my job in 2014 and launched Hotels by Day in 2015. Wow. So we have an extensive resume. I love it. So what? <laughs> so, I, I got gray hair, so yes, it is extensive just by the by just by the fact of surviving and living. Yes, <laughs> understand, understand. So, like, yeah, why, like, why even go into the traveling and everything? Is it because of like you know your thirteen years of being immersed in so many cultures, or like where where do the lines kind of intersect before they blurred? The uh, the background culturally. Uh, and environmentally has definitely uh, raised the, uh, the the sites towards traveling and towards 
discovering of different cultures, um, different histories, different backgrounds, different religion. And so travel, I think, is part of this, and it comes naturally. So it was somewhat in the DNA. But additionally, I had a little bit of support. Uh, from my mother's side, the uh, family um, business is setting up tours to Europe for American travelers. So that was the legacy that came uh, with, uh, with, with our background. Uh, on my father's side, it was, it's entrepreneurship. So, you know, I, I would say also uh, the family trait on both sides of my family is entrepreneurship. So I didn't know anything else than just entrepreneurship. On my father's side, it's uh, industrial, agro-industrial business. So uh, food stuff in Tunisia. And on my mother's side, it's travel in Italy for American tours. So um, I was naturally keen to uh, stay within the travel segment and orientation, even though I did dabble into uh, food and, uh, and restaurant. I opened a restaurant in, in Spain for two years. So I, I touched both my family's heritages and then I, I stuck to travel. I thought it was easier, more, more, more fast paced, uh, fun. It's not, you're not stuck, in, stuck to anywhere being, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the definition of travel in itself. And it allows for amazing discoveries, amazing experiences, et cetera. So yeah, stuck to travel since. So I, I mean, I just want to know where's like, where would you say is the most interesting place that you've been to overall since you were very well traveled? Oh gosh. Interesting. Define interesting. What is interesting to you? <laughs> hey, by your, hey, by your definition, just, you know, the things that you see, something that was maybe bizarre like maybe something that you never even realized existed, you know, what in your experience, because I'm definitely we're living through your words right now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Bizarre. Um, and interesting. I would say maybe the one trip that has uh, given me a whole different perspective of the world uh, and that opened my eyes towards another chapter in my life has been to travel to South America and Bolivia, as a matter of fact. And um, um, yeah, I think that was the, the most exotic destination that I've been to when I was uh, 22, I believe. And I had no experience to Latin America before. And so I was super well versed with um, Europe and North Africa, so Islamic cultures. Um, and I knew both of them very well. I lived in the United States when I went to college. So I was also um, exposed to uh, Western American uh, culture and, and traditions and, and, and norms. Um, but the one thing that impacted me the most was my first travel to uh, South America. Peru was the first stop, but Bolivia was really the one that actually was the most amazing to me. And that one moment that I think was actually uh, shocking, <laughs> you know, you're looking for something interesting. So I'll, I'm just going to tell you what I remember to be one of my travel uh, moments that was the most surprising is that um, we were in this small town lake next to the Lake Titicaca uh, called um, uh, Copacabana, as a matter of fact. Yes. 
it was called Copacabana. It was really, it was, it was, uh, uh, we were laughing about it with our friends uh, from France and Belgium. We were like a whole group there that, that decided to, you know, um, hike the Machu Picchu, but then we stopped in Bolivia first. And so we were in Copacabana and, you know, you would think Copacabana, Copacabana Rio, but it has nothing to do with that. It was like very, everything was very muddy. The streets were muddy. The, 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 the construction, the houses were like made out of muds and huts and all that stuff. And it was, I remember it to be like very dark and gray, but still very super exotic and super fascinating. And, you know, seeing the first time, like, ladies with wonderful colors of clothing and with that uh, melon hat, you know, those like round mm -hmm. top hats from like a different, you know, a century, different, different past. And uh, so seeing, um, you know, very dark skin, very tan, very Indios type, you know, the, the American Indian of, of the region, uh, that was the local population everywhere. And on the walls to some of the uh, the public areas there at that time there must have been elections so there were it, it was plastered with um, voting um, uh, pamphlets and every single person that was asking or the, every single politician that was asking to be to represent the population there was white male gentlemen and I was like, I was shocked. I was like, but my God, like, this has nothing to do with the local population. And everywhere you go in Bolivia, you don't see any white people. And yet there seems to be this, um, not that I'm, <laughs> I don't no. want to, you know, step into a, into a cultural, yeah, I don't want to step into a, a you know, a, a very sensitive cultural moment for America as well when it comes to that. But um, the impact uh, of seeing this legacy of um, Spanish colonialism uh, in Bolivia was was absolutely stunning. So yeah, that's my answer to you. Sorry, long, very yeah, okay. long worded answer, but that, I guess that that's the one that came to my mind. So no, I, I love it because that's just something that kind of like pulls to my next question is, is that the reason why your company exists is being able to give them those experiences or like, you know, having traveled change your perspective and see things from a different world view or point, you know, like, tell me like, what, what is like the obstacle? What are you trying to overcome? Like, like yeah. why, why your yeah. company? So I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, you know, very humbly, I wouldn't say that our company uh, existed out of this sense of maybe either injustice or, or, or you know, uh, either <laughs> racial or cultural injustices, but uh, or at least uh, forget about injustice, differences. Okay, because I really don't want to get into a political conversation. But, um, but, but so the mission is uh, somewhat uh, less ambitious, but very, very challenging all the same which is essentially um, we live in a very dynamic society in which we are used to getting everything that we want whenever we want it as a customer, as a user, right? Mm -hmm. And then, um, so that's the environment. And with the development of technology, uh, that is getting faster and, and more oriented towards our needs. Um, and yet with hospitality, which is supposed to be hospitable, uh, you're still stuck to 
you still stuck to you cannot check in before 3 p.m. and you must leave the next day by 11 a.m. or you're going to be charged extra if you don't you know check out on time. And so this rigidity just did not fit. It was anachronistic to the world that we're living in. And it did not make sense to me and nor to my customer when I was a tour operator and a travel agent. The same hotels that we used to send hundreds of bookings to um, were just incapacitated to be able to be flexible with the customers that wanted a little bit of flexibility because, hey, look, they landed at 7 a.m. What are they going to do until 3 p.m.? And they want to shower and they want to get ready for their trip. And yet you cannot allow them to do so. The more I was talking with the hoteliers, the general managers, the operation managers, and the more I realized that it wasn't a lack of inventory. Hotels had plenty of inventory during the day. It was a lack of uh, structure, protocol, and more importantly, technology to be able to process day stays and night stays without impacting one another. So they prefer to refuse the flexibility and the extra request, even when the customer was willing to pay it. They prefer to say no to it just because they didn't have the structures for it. And so uh, seeing that we were moving increasingly into the on-demand society, into the sharing economy, and that inventory at hotels was sitting empty all day long, uh, you know, billions of dollars of inventory that is being uh, idle, sitting idle and not being monetized during the day, I said to myself, you know, I, I should try to solve that problem. And so um, I quit my job in 2014, put an early team together. We launched Hotels by Day in 2015. So that was super quick. Got out there and got after it. I like it. I yes. like it. I like it. So yes. like what what is the challenge? Like, what is the challenge with you being your own business owner and really trying to like fill in that gap? Like, what are the things that you're faced with? The challenges. Um, so uh, you mean uh, general challenges or the challenges for the business in itself? Because oh. I, I don't mean to be very granular with the no, business. No, 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 you're, you're fine. No, we, we want to know, uh, especially for the listeners aspect, the big things that people want to know is as being an entrepreneur and just having to deal, yeah. since you're definitely dealing with a company, like, yeah. how, does that, yeah. you know, how do you work that balance, you know? Because like you yeah. just said, you have to deal with what you want to achieve and how you want to do it, but you're also forced to deal with this big conglomerate of a company that has their procedures or whatever they believe in. So how do you, yeah. how do you fit in between? Yeah. You know? yeah. So I, I will um, skim over the, the, the challenges, uh, the operational challenges of Hotels by Day, the problems we've had uh, in general with market penetration uh, and funding, because um, you know, to your audience, unless they're precisely a hotelier or somebody in the business of travel, they will not necessarily connect with that. So I can tell you the general challenges as an entrepreneur. Uh, challenge one, a lack of time. There's only 24 hours in a day, and uh, you find yourself needing more than that. Uh, so that's that's definitely a problem. And that kind of uh, sets in motion a bunch of other issues, because if you had more time, then you could do more. Um, but so lack of time leads to, um, um, you know, the challenge of always needed to be uh, uh, updated with what's going on, you know. So not just the news, but also... Uh, the books you'd like to read because you'd like to grow uh, with uh, with different 
perspective and different opinions. That's why podcasting these days is absolutely phenomenal because it allows you while you're commuting in a, you know, in a, in a non-pandemic world, we commute, but at least if you go to, you know, if you, if you exercise or anything, you can still listen to other people's opinion. That's good. But reading is also, is very enriching, right? And so the lack of reading is, is a challenge or the lack of time to be able to read, which leads to lack of reading. And I feel like a cultural desert right now because I haven't really picked up a book, but at least I haven't finished one in five years since I launched this company. Uh, yeah, no, it's really bad. I shouldn't be saying that, but it's terrible. Um, and all the while knowing that one of the main advice that a lot of smart professionals, the ones that you know have made it big, is to say, take a time to breathe, take a time to stop, because this pause, this one hour, two hour, whatever time that you need for yourself is actually going to allow you to leapfrog towards where you'd like to go because you know you allow yourself to be thinking of like what am i doing on the daily basis how am i constructing my days my work structure my you know environment and all that stuff and so if you don't stop and think you just you know you you, you you're the hamster that is spinning that wheel um, and so all the while you know this you're still being bombarded with emails phone calls um, you know things that take precedence to whatever you need to to what whatever break that you're uh, hoping that you were going to get in order to be able to really think strategically about your business about yourself about your lifestyle about your environment about you know about your relationship about uh, you know about everything else um, it, it, that's been a, a very uh, acute challenge in my life uh, as an entrepreneur that there's no structure. You know, I was an employee before I was an entrepreneur. And as an employee, you know, it's a nine to five. It's simple. It's clear. You know, you take a 30 to 45 minute break for lunch. You know where to go. You, you can structure your days. You can structure your life. You can structure your nighttime, uh, you know, social events. As an entrepreneur, you just can't do that anymore. Uh, there hasn't been one vacation in five years because every time I go somewhere with my wife and my dog, you know, I'm working. Like uh, we go to Colombia while well, I'm working. Here I am with my laptop, you know, like a moron, uh, you know, on the beach. Uh, you know, so it, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been an extreme challenge. At the same time, I have to say, like, you know, it's also very fulfilling. It allows you to feel like you have a sense of achievement that as an employee, you don't. So I do recommend everybody that listens uh, uh, to, to our podcast today to you know, take the, the leap and the jump into doing something for yourself that's, as an entrepreneur, that's very, very um, enriching, but it's extremely tiring, extremely challenging. So those are, uh, th that, that's one of the main concerns uh, that I have for myself. Okay, so what can we expect from you in the future then? Like what something new that you are breeding with your business? What's something that you might be bringing to the audience that's listening, maybe your consumer? Like, yeah. what's the next step? Big things, uh, DJ, big things. <laughs> Huge things, the biggest things. Uh, so um, uh, I'll tell you, um, this pandemic has uh, humbled us tremendously, all of us, um, especially in travel, right? Because we're like hospitality travel. That's been like one of the hardest hits. Um, 
and um, and it goes against you know our 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 DNA of meeting people and all that stuff. So this pandemic has been uh, challenging business wise, but also emotionally and culturally and all that jazz. But uh, the one thing that it has the silver lining out of this is that it has changed the future of work because we're all just like right now we all are you know uh, getting accustomed to working with our laptops uh, with zooms and with whatever you know video sh- sh- uh, screen share sorry tongue tied um, uh, and we're now able to do deals without having to travel uh, we are able to do a lot of things without having to be in the office um, and so the future of work is changing and so there there's this component of flexibility that did not exist before the pandemic geo flexibility i mean where we can now travel and work from anywhere and so the way that we see the future and how we fit in this future is that in a in a world in which and in an environment in which you will not necessarily have to be at the office so much um, you can work from anywhere after two years of a pandemic of being stuck at home, you don't necessarily want to work at home. So what is there left for you to go to, to be able to have this work environment, this work infrastructure? Uh, you could go to a co-working companies, but you know, after two years of this pandemic, the, the, their balance sheet have exploded. They have, uh, uh, they're retracting their footprint. You know, WeWork is retracting. The third biggest operator in America, Notel, just went bankrupt uh, last Friday. Um, the first one globally went bankrupt last September. So chapter 11, I mean, right? Uh, so, so they're retracting their footprint. So what is there left as real estate for you to be able to have this environment in which you feel like you could work from? To us, that's hotels. Because hotels still have, they're still there. They're geo, um, uh, geographically, uh, they're covering all of the the country uh, and all of the world, as a matter of fact, you probably have three cool hotels within a 10 mile radius of where you live. You don't necessarily have three cool uh, co-working companies and the hotel has, uh, so their bread and butter is night stay, but day stays. And during the day, this, this real estate is staying completely empty. So the idea for a digital nomad, somebody with just the power of their laptop can work from anywhere, the creative types, the gig economy, the, all of that, to have a place where they can sit, like maybe purchase a monthly pass and then have a place where they can sit and work with uh, strong Wi-Fi, strong coffee, cool vibes of a hotel. But in addition to that, they can also, uh, you know, dip in the pool and swim all day, like for a few, you know, for a little bit of exercise. So use the gym of the hotel or meet somebody at, uh, at the bar during happy hour or having the mix of work and leisure within the environment of a hotel to us is what the future of work will be. So that's where we're going. That's amazing. I love that. I love that. Well, Mr. Giannis. Well, let me drop the Mr. Giannis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I appreciate you for your time. And I just want to sure. say thank you for joining us today. If you want to find Giannis, you can find him at www.hotelsbyday.com. If you want to contact him, you can contact him at Giannis at hotelsbyday.com. Thank you, Mr. David. Thank you. <laughs>
Dusty Rollins here. Thank you so much for listening to Profiles in Persistence. If you are a successful business owner or entrepreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit thetaxcure.com slash podcast slash apply. And if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag Profiles in Persistence. I love seeing your posts and your guest suggestions. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content, so make sure you don't miss any episodes and go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, www.thetaxcure.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.